All right, let's uh, get into the Friday afternoon. Dennis Stewart, the man, the myth, the legend. You want to be like him, but you can't. Good I'm afternoon, sir. I'm not going to pay sir. you for that. I'm not going to pay you for that. <laughs> Don't have to. It's all, all heartfelt and meaningful here. Ready for another big hour, Dennis? Absolutely. Now, this is kind of filling the gap from last mm. week. You wanted to talk a little bit about Indian herbal medicine, and particularly in an Australian context here. Yeah. But we didn't get time. No. I wanted to talk about it last week to coincide with the visit of the Indian Prime Minister. And, uh, a little Modi mania, yeah, huh? Yeah, look, I've got great fondness uh, for Indian people and for the culture, the history and the medicine, all of which I studied at university. And I was uh, meaning last week to look at the system of herbal medicine that developed in India and is making such an impact in the world today, and rightly so. So today I'd like to look at that. It's a fascinating topic. And, uh, uh, you know, great, uh, good cheers and for all the, uh, the wonderful Indian people that we have, particularly the little lass at the service station in West Sestock that looks after me like you wouldn't believe. All right. You mentioned everything but the great food, Dennis. <laughs> oh, oh, well, Some awesome look, food from uh, that part, of, you, from the you, subcontinent. You, you don't have to. Uh, I'll let you in on something. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be quick. I was invited about two or three years ago to give a lecture at uh, an Ayurvedic medical conference in Melbourne and, of course, it was conducted by wonderful uh, Indian people. And I was looked after like royalty from the moment I got off the plane to the moment I was put back on the plane. But the highlight was the Saturday night when I was taken out uh, by the conference um, organisers and we all went to a vegan restaurant in the heart of Melbourne. A lot of Indians favour that type of food. And I've never eaten food as good as it in my life. If this was uh, the typical vegan meal, I'm in there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dad. It's not quite butter chicken, but uh, we'll, we'll flow Getting through close. it. close. Why does these chats always happen at lunchtime and I can't get out and have my food yet? Good afternoon, Michelle. Kidney health is on your mind today for Dennis. What's happening, Michelle? Yes, it is. How are you? Hello, Hi. Michelle. How are you, Dennis? Oh, well, indeed. Tell me your story. Um, apparently I've got early onset of kidney disease and yes. I'm just wondering if there's anything that I can take to help okay. my kidneys. Okay. Look, for every, um, how can I call it, for every organ in the body, there is an appropriate herb. Now, I know that sounds very uh, embracive and a bit verbose, but uh, we can elaborate on that. And the, the great thing about herbal medicine is that it, has what are called tonic remedies. That term has largely been lost now in mainstream medicine, but the term connotes the idea of, of a herb or a nutrient that has a non-specific supportive and potentially restorative effect on the organ that it addresses. Now, in the case of the kidney, there is a herb called Java kidney tea. Right. And I've done a lot of work in herbal medicine uh, well into 50 years now, and I've yep. introduced a, a lot of herbs into Australia, echinacea, ginkgo, biloba, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. But in the last five or six years, I have become fascinated and uh, impressed with the potential of that herb, which loosely goes under the name of Java kidney tea. Right. Um, botanically, it is known as orthosiphon staminaeus, Ortho, if you just punch in the, uh, the, the, the words Java kidney tea, uh, yes. the, the computer will spew out that much information, you'll be embarrassed. But I <laughs> use it in my practice 
and, right. and I'm, I'm going to say this uh, in, in, in a correct sense. Anything that has to do with the kidney and kidney health mm-hmm. has, to be, has to be done uh, properly and professionally. And yes. this is a, a condition where if you seek access to, to the herb, it needs to be, in my opinion, conveyed in a professional way, in a professional environment, mm-hmm. and in a professional dosage. This right. is this is not a herb that uh, you just wander in and say, "I'm going to make a cup of tea of, or Java tea." This is a, a medicinal herb, which, in my practice over quite a few years now, has seen individuals on the verge of dialysis right. stabilized, and with a number of uh, percentage points improvement in yeah. what we call the EFGR which is the yardstick of kidney function. What what I would be suggesting, have they indicated to you the nature of what's happening or is it just a a nonspecific dip and ongoing dip in your your kidney function? Yes, I think that's what it is. They haven't said anything real specific. Well, look, I think if you were to discuss this, first of all with your GP and then secondarily um, with your kidney specialist, there would be few objections to it because it, uh, in the literature you will find that it has no overt um, toxicological factors, no overt potential to interact with mainstream medications. And I would have patients or, or people listening to this program that I have put onto or recommended they go onto Java Kidney Tea who mm-hmm. would vouch for the benefit of that, uh, that herb in helping helping, and that's the term to use, uh, yes. slow down the deterioration, sometime dramatically, sometime not at all. There is a point where uh, the kidney can deteriorate in its functioning to the point where it is irretrievable. But yes. as I've said, I've had a patient or two on, on the verge of dialysis who have mm. been pulled back from that as a result of my research and confidence and importation of Java kidney tea, or as I prefer to know it, Orthosiphon stabineus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What, what do you think about those big words, Michelle? I think Dennis was happy to talk to you just so we could dust those out of the thesaurus. Well, the, the, the reason I'm saying that is that if you uh, want to know there are other names to it, for instance, in Malaysia, it is known as Kumus Kuching. So it's probably better to know it as either Orthosiphon stabineus, which is its universal name, or yes. Java kidney tea, which is a colloquial name in, in English-speaking countries. Yes. Well, I'm glad I didn't have to spell it anyway. <laughs> I can help you if you like. But... I'll, beat you to, I'll, I'll beat you to it, Michelle. J-A-V-A. That's it. Java. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Best of luck for you, Michelle. Good afternoon, Mark. At Newcastle City East, you've been sick in the stomach for a while. What's happening, Mark? Ah, uh, yeah. Look, um, about five and a half years ago, I... Uh, I had a thing called Heligo back to Pylori. Yes, and, uh, ever, yeah, ever since then, Dennis. So you probably don't remember me, or you might. Um, 40 years ago, when you were starting off your practice, uh, you used to get uh, your fuel at um, Taxara Service Station in Derby Street. I do remember it. I remember it well. I used to park there and uh, walk up to Church Street into my rooms. That's correct. How about uh, you, that? I used to fill your car up with petrol. How about that? <laughs> oh, Mark, I remember you. You used to give it to me at discount rates. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, Don't tell Adam fat. <laughs> so you, have you been on um, uh, any medication for Helicobacter? Uh, yeah, I've been on some stuff. Um, it's medical stuff, but yeah, it's... Uh, antibiotics. 
time is next year now. Same as Nexium. Okay. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I've been I've been waking up for the last five and a half years, and they took me gallbladder. I think it might have been that. Oh, okay. Predict what it is. I've been in uh, with um, pancreatitis about three times. Oh dear, dear, dear. Wake up, wake up in the morning, um, feeling you know, oh, oh, giant, terrific hangover, and I don't drink much. Yes. Um, and, and also to um, I uh, I've got a heap and heap of wind. Yes. Um, I keep belching out um, from uh, my guts. Yes. And I too, um, it was one other thing. Um, oh, yeah, dry reaching as well, but okay. no vomit. Okay. Look, uh, obviously with a condition like this, anything that I'm going to say is fairly superficial, but yeah. it, it, yeah. it, it, it will be safe. When, when, yeah. you have a, when you have a combination of those symptoms, yeah. I, I necessarily go first of all, um, to the liver uh, and, to, and to the gallbladder, but you've had your gallbladder out, you tell me. Yes, that's okay. correct, mate. Yes. But the, the, the nausea and the uh, other symptoms that you spoke about, in, in our profession or trade, as some people call it, uh, what we call liver drainage is a, collo- right. is a colloquial term to cover the way in which natural medicine practitioners see the liver being responsible for a lot of um, gastrointestinal problems, even of a functional yeah. level. So uh-huh. I would be suggesting two uh, simple things for you. I'd be uh-huh. su- I would be suggesting that you uh, access the herb St. Mary's thistle. Uh-huh. I'll just get a pen, mate, if you yeah. don't mind. Okay, that. all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, you're ready to go. I am, St. Okay. Mary. Uh, I'd, I'd re- recommend... A trial on the herb St Mary's thistle, and you say why? Well, St Mary's thistle is one of those remedies that I spoke about earlier in the program as being a tonic remedy. That it that is, it has a broad spectrum application to a particular organ, and in this case, St Mary's thistle is what we call an organ remedy with tonic activity on the organ that it is addressing. And so, mm-hmm. in many functional conditions, and this would seem to be a functional condition. St Mary's thistle is a starting base to drain, to regulate or to encourage uh, liver function. Now, I know a lot of uh, specialists out there will be shaking their head and perhaps even laughing at that. That's fine. I just know that with St Mary's thistle, which, by the way, I introduced to Australian herbal medicine about 35 years ago, first to Mm -hmm. do it, uh, it's a remarkable remedy, and I would suggest that you start that. It's very, very, very safe. That's Mm -hmm. another good thing. The second thing about it is most bitter herbs, bitter-tasting herbs, have an effect on, on nausea and also digestive activity starting in the upper gut in the stomach and having an action right through the system, uh, all, all aspects of it. D- dandelion is the oldest and most recognised uh, okay. remedy for dealing with nausea, vomiting, functional gut conditions and frequently gets there when sophisticated medications won't. Now, those two herbs, I've mentioned them directly because in my interpretation, the symptoms you talk about indicate something like what we would refer to as liver sluggishness, another term that the specialists would hate, but we talk talk about what's called the congested liver theory. Those two herbs, mate, I'd give them a go. They're not expensive, they're safe, 
if you're under medical management, let your medical managers know what you're doing. I'm sure yeah. there'll be no problems. Best of luck with that, Mark. Dennis, mm. All the, you, you mentioned all these things, all the bitter herbs, they have yeah. this great effect. Why can we just not put something that tastes good with them? Like, can we flavour these things up? No, but see, taste is important okay. in herbal medicine. Okay. If, if you get rid of uh, the bitter taste of a herb, yeah. you reduce its activity. It, it doesn't have right. any action at all. See, pharma, okay. pharmacology yeah. starts in the mouth with the taste. So the taste of a herb has a pharmacological consequence. In modern medicine, everything has to hit the gut to be metabolised, but the taste of herbal medicine sets up a whole train of pharmacological events. That makes sense, actually. Um, Unfortunately, that makes a lot of sense. I think your body goes, oh, this taste, and we react, I'm guessing, differently to things that taste good to things that taste bitter. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, as an oversimplification, I get understand. No, no, but still. You, you, you're pretty right. See, in the society in which we live, bitter taste isn't very popular. That's why mm. we are addicted. Damn right, it's not. We are addicted <laughs> to sweetness. We yeah. are people that have been conned into believing that anything less than a sweet taste is not worthwhile tasting. Well, traditional medicine fails in many instances because it is conveyed in a preparation that bypasses. The taste of the herb. I come back to the point that in some situations, particularly with bitter-tasting herbs, the benefit starts with the taste buds who set up a train of pharmacological consequences. Sounds good, Dan. Well, it's it's the right answer, but it doesn't sound good, nor does it taste good either. Okay. We would always love Dennis when we head back to that late 60s, early 70s period. And I guess it reminds you of... Oh, uh, good times, weren't yeah. it? Yeah, and you still haven't bought the photo in it's of coming. you. It's coming. Yeah, well, you know, so it's Christmas. It, 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 it will be here at a surprising time. So you're just going to spring it on us, hey? And I then, can't wait. And then I can walk away. So I'll look at the photo and go, okay, that... Guy looks pretty cool, but where where are you in this? Um, a reminder too, after one o'clock, uh, talking travel with Barry Preston this time around, he'll be taking you on a trip to the South American continent. So, Dennis, what do you reckon? Are you up for that? South America, yeah, I'd be in that. All right, sounds good. 49216216 to connect with Dennis today. G'day, Amanda at Cooks Hill. Liver detoxing is on your mind today. What's happening, Amanda? Um, uh, I guess one to remind um, Dennis that... Um, there was a book he, he referred us to, um, Liver Detox by uh, Sandra Cabot. yes. And um, I wanted to tell you where you get the LSA. I have it on my Weet-Bix uh, teaspoon at a time, and um, um, it's called uh, Linseed um, Sunflower and Almond yes. LSA. Yes. And you can get it. You can get it at um, the Junction um, Coles. Oh, that's good. In the in the section where it's cooking, in the cooking aisle. How about that? Yeah, wonderful That's stuff. Great. We all learn all sorts of things. Thanks for your call, Amanda. If you have a question for Dennis today, uh, 49216216, we promise we'll get to the Indian uh, herbal stuff to. in a minute. I want to. I, I owe it to these people to talk about their system. Good afternoon, uh, Michelle at Madawi. You are looking for a bit of advice for Dennis from Dennis today. Yes, please. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Dennis. How are you going? I'm very well. How can I help you? Okay, so I had a bowel resection. I had 15 centimetres um, yes. removed of the sigmoid. Yes. Um, due to diverticulitis. Yes. Um, now, I've been going pretty good, but good. I've recently had a flare-up. I've just been back oh, to the dear. doctors, and, of course, they've prescribed antibiotics. Yes. 
Um, and also she says to go on a high-fibre diet, which mm-hmm. doesn't work for me when I'm having yeah. a flare. I okay. usually have to go on to low-fibre. Just want to know if there's any herbs and what yeah. what your recommendations are. Okay. First of all, for the sake of listeners, we'll just say what diverticulitis is. Diverticulitis is inflammation or infection of what are called pockets in the bowel. Now, most of us would have uh, some degree, certainly my age bracket, would have some degree of diverticular activity in our bowel, which is okay, except in, in, in many cases those pockets will become periodically infected and can therefore endanger health. And in your case, you've had to have a part of your bowel taken away because of the seriousness of the diverticulitis. Now, my suggestion to you, and you should run it past your GP, when she talks about fibre, I know where she's coming from because um, a couple of years ago, some uh, doctors wrote some excellent literature uh, pointing out that in countries where the diet was naturally fibrous, there were less uh, diseases of the large bowel. And so the high-fibre diet became popular. But I agree with you, not everyone seems to be able to cope with the sorts of high-fibre recommendations that are being made. I would be suggesting that uh, you start to use a herb called slippery elm. Now, slippery elm has multiple benefits all the way through the gastrointestinal tract from the stomach right through to the large bowel. It has uh, uh, an ongoing protective uh, and and normalising effect on bowel functioning and tends to lessen the acuteness of the pockets of the bowel which cause the infection. Now, if you're taking slippery elm, make sure you take enough of it. Um, I would be suggesting that you're probably better off getting a, a bulk supply of it from your health food store. The powdered form, I would suggest, would be the way to go because in, I would be suggesting a starting quantity of at least a heap teaspoonful daily. Now, um, it's it's a very soothing, bland Uh, easily used food. In fact, in the old days, um, it it was popularly used as a food for elderly people who were intolerant to most other foods. That's how bland and safe and healthy it is. So a teaspoonful of that. The other thing that I would recommend, however, is that you incorporate into your diet some things that have a natural, uh, natural antibiotic action within the large bowel, or the better term would be a natural antimicrobial benefit. That is, as they pass through the system, they would have an antiseptizing, I'll use that term, it's not a good one, but an antiseptizing effect on the gastrointestinal tract. Uh, Two herbs um, using what are called garlic pearls. Now, garlic pearls are available from health food stores and pharmacies. Garlic is a well-known remedy for addressing multiple pathologies of the bowel and as a preventative agent could assist in lessening the episodes of diverticulitis that you've been getting. The second second herb, which is a gem, a little bit expensive, but if you can afford to get capsules of the American herb golden seal, Botanically golden, no- seal. golden seal, botanically known as Hydrastus canadensis. Most uh, labelling would, however, just have golden seal on it. 
you look at the literature on that and you can understand why these days it is even sometimes used in addressing helicobacter, which is the um, bacterial factor associated with ulceration of the upper gut. If you were yeah, to well, get... I've probably got that too, so okay. that won't go... If, yeah. if you could get hold of some capsules of golden seal, say a capsule of golden seal, say at breakfast and dinner at night, I t- yep. think that together... Uh, with the garlic pearls. Garlic pearls are very inexpensive. And the slippery almonds of food, mate, um, I'd put pounds to pence on it that you'd do better than what you are now. All right, right, best of luck with that, Michelle. Good afternoon, Glenn at East Gresford. Uh, Glenn, your wife has rheumatoid arthritis. What's happening there, Glenn? Yeah, that's correct. Um, How's she going, Glenn? What what medication is your dear wife on, Glenn? Oh, she... Basically, just on uh, methotrexate or steroids. No, no, she's not on. Okay, she's not on either of those. We kept right. We're not on okay. any. Uh, okay. Medication. Well, look, yesterday I had a, a lady who um, has done exceedingly well with her rheumatoid condition by doing the following um, things, and uh, these things I'm going to mention are easily accessed. Um, you could get them, I suspect, even from your pharmacy. But yes. three things have helped her dramatically, as evidenced by her markers in the blood test, which showed that the uh, markers for rheumatoid arthritis uh, have come down very significantly. And what's more, uh, she is very comfortable with her condition, which she, th- she thought was quite miraculous. Now, not always... Uh, do people respond as well as this lady did, but it's not going to hurt you to give it a try. Um, Let me just go through it rather quickly for you. Um, First of all, start to take some fish oil. Now, fish oil, I know, is a bit controversial on this, but for rheumatoid arthritis, um, fish oil has a very, very good, how can I call it, literature base. In other words, the literature suggests that fish oil can be useful in rheumatoid arthritis, less so in osteoarthritis. But, but if your wife is going to use that, she must take it, in my opinion, in about six grams of it a day. Now, the capsules come, normally speaking, in a 1,000 milligrams each. If you're going to get a benefit, I would suggest that you'd have to be working round six grams of fish oil daily. And in this, in this lady's case, it was also supported by willow bark. Now, willow bark is the oldest known anti-inflammatory herb. So what I'd be suggesting is you go to your pharmacy and get some um, capsules of willow bark and take those in the optimum dose on the label. And the third preparation, again, very popular, these days inexpensive, is the extract of turmeric, which is called curcumin, C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N. Now, the three of those, in my opinion, are undiscovered gems for people who are not at this stage uh, heavily dependent on steroid or some of the immunosuppressant drugs. So I would be suggesting if your wife is interested, she gives that a go. Best of luck with that, Glenn. Um, Dennis, should you say maybe underdiscovered instead of undiscovered, you reckon? If there's a little bit of Yeah, well, you, you, you could be right there. You can see you went to a grammar school. You, no, I really didn't. 
No, we well, just, just don't, don't keep I'll, you on the straight and narrow. A, can you spell orthosiphon? Uh, with an O, <laughs> maybe. A uh, 50-50 chance on that being right with a vowel up front, haven't I? So, Dennis, I know we'll be parking most of this topic until next week now, but yes. Indian herbal medicine in this Australian context, yes. at least open up the conversation for okay. us today. Indian herbal medicine, it goes under the umbrella of Ayurveda, A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A. Now, without going too deeply into it, Ayurveda means the science of life. And it is a system based not only on herbs, but diet, lifestyle practice, meditations, etc. It developed, interestingly, in what's called the Vedic period, V-E-D-I-C, which was about 7,000 to 3,000 years before Christ, when the sacred literature of India, the Vedas, was written. And Ayurveda was one of the Vedas or part of one of the Vedas. It set out a system of healing structured on using predominantly herbs of the Indian continent, and those herbs would be prescribed on the basis of attempting to do what we loosely refer to as as balancing the energies of the body. Now, once upon a time, we used to laugh at that. Until now, of course, many doctors practice acupuncture, which is based on a similar theory of of energy. Anyway, forgetting about that, what they did was uh, categorise it, write it up into literature, some glorious physicians and, and, and authors documented the Ayurvedic literature, which in India today is still used, believe it or not, mm. still used in the professional teaching of Ayurveda in government-sponsored colleges because Ayurveda uh, had been put down by, by the British colonists and Western colonists generally as something that was outmoded. Western medicine had all the answers. Indian medicine survived, and when we got out of India as colonists, the government came in and decided that they would support and encourage this most ancient system of medicine. Let me emphasise, it is the most ancient system of medicine. We talk about Western medicine. Western medicine, Mike, was based originally on Greek medicine, which had a similar theory about treating disease. Not too many people know this, but Western medicine is based on Ayurvedic concepts because this was a system of medicine that was brought back from India, the Indus Valley, where this was all written up, by Alexander the Great. He brought this theory back to the West, and from that point onwards it was incorporated into Western medicine, which until 200 years ago was essentially based on the principle of energetic balancing. Now, forgetting about that, that fascinates me because this is what I studied at university. Out of that emerged some remarkable remedies which today have infiltrated into Western herbal medicine. And I had the privilege, even supported by this university, of of teaching a one-semester program that we called Ayurvedic Herbology. That was the introduction of Ayurvedic medicine and some of the herbs into the Western herbal medicine system. It was a great privilege, and I'm going to do it again one of these days before I finally throw in the towel. I had a lot to do with it and had graduated students in Ayurvedic Herbology. And as a result of that, we all use 
dramatic remedies, which I'll talk about next week. Yeah, we'll get into some more of those next week. And, but, but just in, in literally 15 yeah. seconds, yeah. going all the way back to the yeah. start here, I yeah. like the idea of it. Yeah. it's sort of all of the pieces of the puzzle, yes. like lifestyle, diet, Correct. Uh, Correct. medicinal help, Correct. all of that. So it's all, all one thing. It's very naturopathic. In fact, it's, it's very naturopathic at a time when I would say a naturopathy is becoming too medicalised. Um, Ayurveda still incorporates these holistic ideas that your tucker is important. Your lifestyle is important. Your herbs are important. It's holistic, pure naturopathic medicine and the oldest system of traditional medicine. I have great regard for Indian culture, Indian history, Indian medicine and Indian people who everywhere I go have great regard for me. How's that, Dennis? We're wrapping you up right there. <laughs> well, we, we kind of got it. We'll get, we'll get part two of this next it's week. A, it's a fascinating topic. You have a great weekend and a great Thank next you, week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>